1: I'm Jen Penumrat and I'm Katie Quinn and you're listening to Either Side Eaters, a show where we explore food culture from across the Atlantic Ocean. So we are both video creators who are endlessly curious about the intersections of food, culture and identity, and we've been sharing and exploring it with all of our amazing viewers for several years now.
0: True. That. And Jen, the lovely human who was just speaking, uh, was born, was raised and still lives in New York. And she's known as the kind of passionate cook who loves dropping knowledge almost as much as she loves inappropriate eggplant
1: jokes. Am I right, Jen? That's right. Eggplant emoji all day, every day. (laughs) And Katie right here, she is from Ohio, uh, lived in New York City for a decade and now lives in Europe, currently in London. She's a writer with two published books under her belt, go girl, and a background in journalism as well as a stint in culinary school. So what is Either Side Eaters all about?
0: Well, the idea first came up because Jen and I literally live on either side of the Atlantic Ocean and we love talking with each other about the food scene in
1: each place. You know, we like considering the similarities and also the differences. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the more we talk, the more we realize that in our conversations, regardless of the country we're talking about, there were multiple sides to all the conversations about food. And of course, it's ripple effects into culture and social norms. And we realized we wanted to talk about much more than just the food scene in America and Europe. We wanted to take a step back and look at the interesting issues from all around the globe.
0: Right. So in this show... You will, number one, gain a better understanding of food cultures around the world. Two, consider some of the more prickly and tricky topics that go hand in hand with food, such as social equality, issues of class and wealth. And number three, you'll leave with brand new delicious ideas of things that you
1: can make in your kitchen yeah so basically we are gonna have a party (laughs) and so let's kick things off with our first topic halloumi halloumi jen i was really not familiar
0: with this delicious cheese before moving to london but over here it is absolutely everywhere and Connor and I have fallen head over heels in love with it. What's your situation over there with halloumi?
1: Yeah, I I love halloumi, but unlike over there here it's not readily available. At least when I started on looking for it, which is probably around 2012 to 2014 around that time, could barely find it anywhere. And I only heard about it because of British celebrity celebrity chefs like Jamie Oliver. I can't remember if it was Jamie Oliver or Nigella. One or the other was like, here's this thing. It doesn't, you know, has a high melting point. Here's what you could do with it. And I also at the time was watching a lot of bloggers, YouTube bloggers from the UK. And they kept talking about how. Halloumi this and halloumi that. And so, like, we would order in a restaurant or make it at home and have a salad. So that's why every time I think of halloumi, I can't help but say it in an accent. (laughs) It just, it seems natural to me to say halloumi instead of halloumi. (laughs) Halloumi. 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 Hello you, halloumi.
0: (laughs) You are such a halloumi Houdini over there with your (laughs) halloumi puns. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's it is huge over here, and it's not a uh, it's not a British cheese. Historically speaking, it's from Cyprus. But yeah, okay. Let's see. So let's talk about what halloumi is, right? For people who've never had it, uh-huh. it's a white cheese. It's like semi-hard. It's unripened and it's brined so it actually like soaks in its own salty whey brine a lot of places in london they will actually have like these big tubs <gasps> then you can just pluck it pluck the halloumi out fresh from its brine wow. which is delicious um it's got in terms of texture it's kind of got this layered texture almost like a mozzarella where you can kind of pull it apart and some people call it like a squeaky cheese because it does have this almost like this pleasant rubberiness that on your teeth, it's like slightly squeaky.
1: Yeah, I like to think of it as squidgy. Squidgy! It's squidgy cheese. Yes, <laughs> I support that. So you were saying it's a cheese from Cyprus, yeah? Yeah. So that is
0: like the general answer to that question because just the the mix of cultures in that area that like East Mediterranean and Levant Areas of the world, and this is a historic cheese. It was around a long, long time ago. I mean, before the Ottoman Empire invaded Cyprus in 1571, there were descriptions of halloumi that were recorded. I mean, Italian travelers to Cyprus wrote about halloumi in a manuscript from 1556 A.D. Whoa! This cheese has been around a long time. <laughs> And with many things in the world, country lines shift, they change, people move, people immigrate and and they bring culture and recipes and all this stuff with them. So when you go back that far, origin stories are easily disputed, right? So there's no like super definitive answer, but the fact is that it is a, it was and is a really big thing in Cyprus and, you know, entire communities historically would join forces, get together and make these huge batches of halloumi together. And so it was a collective, it was a collective action. It was production that like neighbors would be making it for
1: themselves and for each other all at once. Look at that. Cheese has been bringing people together since the dawn of time. Amen. Well, not the dawn of time, but you know what I mean. No,
0: amen, sister. (laughs) I feel you. And so recipes actually varied from village to village, and get this surnames, so last names of families. Some families actually reflected their role in halloumi production.
1: I love that. I would feel so proud of my name, knowing that it had origins in cheese. I know.
0: Me too. Now I kind of like
1: want to change my name, right? Like string cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Dig it. Jen string
0: cheesar. <laughs> <laughs> uh I wanna be like Katie Cheddarface.
1: That <laughs> 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 sounds like a diss that Little Katie would tell someone in elementary school, you're a cheddar face. (laughs) I'm not saying that you were a bully. It's a good, it's a good diss or compliment, however you want to take that. So how did this become such a big thing in the UK? Yeah, that's a really,
0: that's a really good question, right? We were just talking about how like both of us are familiar with it because of the adoration of it from people in the UK, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, there, there are large colonial links between the UK and Cyprus, as there are many colonial links between the UK and many places in the world. Also, partially because of that, there has been a lot of immigration of Cypriots to the UK. But Halloumi actually didn't become super, super popular in the UK until fairly Recently. So there was um, an article in the BBC I read that said that it was really around 2000 that it started to become a popular thing here. But then by 2013, demand in the UK had surpassed that of
1: every other European country except cypress wow and going back to it being such a good source of protein because i i love it i love it in in like burger form yes. just having that yes it's super filling <laughs> it's squidgy squidgy deliciously squidgy so that makes sense that makes sense why it's becoming so popular And now like it's clearly gaining popularity in America, right? And other places. Is it like the thing where, and I only learned of this recently, like within the past two or three years, like in Italy, when things are, what's it called when they're like trademarked? Yeah, it's called protected designation
0: of origin. PDO. Yeah. Other examples of this are like champagne, right? So for a sparkling white wine to be called champagne, it literally has to be made in Champagne, France, using like this very specific champagne method of making wine. Halloumi producers in Cyprus are actually fighting to get a PDO from the European Union so that nothing can be labeled Halloumi unless it's from Cyprus. And obviously, they like that because that's just a better economic model for them. If anyone can make Halloumi, which happens, like dairy farmers in the UK make halloumi with cow's milk which is not traditional and they call it halloumi so you can kind of see where the lines start to get blurred a little bit if um the laws don't exist but so yeah i would say there are arguments on either side of it yeah huh
1: so traditionally it's sheep's and goat's milk. Right. Tends to be like a mixture
0: of sheep's milk and goat's milk. I believe the sheep's milk is a little more traditional maybe, but um but really both of them it's a
1: combined it's a combined milk situation. Got it. So like if other countries try to make their own version of halloumi and there's different cheeses that are similar. Yeah. But if they try to to market something as halloumi they got it like Canada gotta take out the EU, it's Halloumi. Well, the, yeah. <laughs> I think halloumi producers in Cyprus are still fighting for this
0: to happen. So, like currently in the EU, that law does not exist. So that British producers can make it and they can make it with cow's milk from British cows, and they can still call it Halloumi. But that is something that, who knows? You know, that might change in the next handful of years, the next decade. Who knows? Well, I'll be
1: curious to find out. Interesting. Why is it that it has such a high melting point? Why doesn't it just melt right away?
0: So that has to do with how it's made, right? Because like all cheeses are made from milk. The way that it's made then causes it to have this really tight uh, structure. So it's the protein molecules are like really tightly wound together. And what happens when you melt a cheese is... Those protein molecules flow, right? They get bendy, kind of like a plastic that that you heat up. It can get bendy. And so Halloumi's like, no, my protein molecules are all really tightly together and I'm not going to flow for you even when you heat me up.
1: Yeah. I feel like Halloumi's like, you flex, bro? Do you even lift? (laughs) Get on my level. You're so lame. You
0: melt at room temperature. Lame. (laughs) yeah halloumi definitely Uh, looks down its nose on brie that's for sure oh but i love both i love both too we did get some questions about how to eat halloumi
1: hi guys so i spotted a package of halloumi cheese the other day but i decided not to buy it because i wasn't sure how to eat it what's a really easy but tasty way to enjoy it Hi, Katie and Jen. I love halloumi as an appetizer, just broiled with some delicious bread or pita, but I'd love some more ideas in incorporating halloumi into a full meal, especially one that, you know, has a nice balance between delicious fried cheese and maybe something a little more healthy. Thanks. So how do you what how do you like to eat halloumi? I'm really curious. I've prepared it grilled for a halloumi burger mm. or like on a salad. So like what will you put on a halloumi burger? Uh the halloumi burger that I enjoy is a grilled halloumi with like roasted uh red bell pepper and mm. sandwiched in between grilled portobello buns, portobello mushroom buns. Oh. That sounds so good. Yeah. I like it. I'm I'm a portobello bun girl. I know some people don't like to use it as a bun, but sometimes, like, I love bread. But sometimes I just want a grilled mushroom, and so I like the combination. Um, and then, I, I just grilled with some salad is. A really great way to have it. Uh, yeah. And then in restaurants, I've had it fried, like, like halloumi fries. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's it. I haven't really, but I, I did try something this weekend. Oh, would you, yeah, would you make? So I was thinking about, I wanted curry, like a Thai curry. And I really like Thai masaman curry. So it's like a yellow curry. Do you, have you had that with like yeah. potatoes? I have, and, yeah. And there's peanuts in it. Yeah, So good. I've had that with chicken Tofu, and I thought, what if I try halloumi? I I did it, and it worked really well. Oh my gosh. It was bomb! That so sounds it was just so like, good. It was it was hearty. It was delicious because it made me think about was it Priya?
0: Yeah, Priya Krishna said this in a um actually another Food 52 network podcast, the Genius Recipe Tapes with Kristen McGlory. Priya said that she actually makes a twist of sag paneer um, that's in her book, Indianish, where she puts feta cheese in instead of paneer, which is super dope. But then she said that she's heard of people also adding halloumi, although she had never actually tried it.
1: Yeah, I couldn't get that out of my head. So I think that's what inspired me to do it with, with this curry. It was just so good. Well, so that's awesome. Like it that it works with, so, like with Priya's example, it works with
0: like a pretty classic Indian dish. With your example, it works with a pretty classic Thai dish. And, you know, yeah, I love it. it's from like a it's from a completely different part of the world. But like, yo, that doesn't matter if it tastes delicious,
1: just like it doesn't put that together usually, there you won't find a lot of dairy or cheese, right in. Thai food generally, right? Maybe more modern food. Yeah, but classically, no, but it just worked out. Cause I was thinking the, the curry base, it's similar, you know, it has cardamom. It has, and it has some tamarind in the Masamun curry, some tamarind, some chili. Um, and then in the curry, usually I'd put white vinegar, but instead I was like, let me put some tomato paste for the acidity to kind of bridge the saltiness of the halloumi oh. and like the slightly sweet nuttiness of the, the curry base. It was so good. You also had told me about
0: um, using halloumi as a low-carb pizza option, like using halloumi as the crust, and that kind of blew my mind. Yeah. How, how do you
1: like to enjoy it?
0: We eat it a lot in like the very typical ways. So like pan-fried and we'll put it in a wrap... Or on a salad, we'll have a lot of like salads for lunch, and pan fry some halloumi, put it on. That's that's definitely a go to for us. I would say a little more special occasion stuff. Um, it's really good, sweet. So I mean, just like think of it as like I don't know, like a goat cheese, and I love goat cheese with a little drizzle of honey. Oh yeah, and like halloumi that hits. with a
1: little honey. Oh yeah, that hits. And it's it's similar to. Like structurally, it's similar to a lot of different cheeses from around the world. And the one that I can closely relate it to, aside from feta, is queso fresco or what do they call it? Queso de freír, which is like cheese for frying, right? Queso para freír. So in Queens, I used to order this. We had a lot of Colombian restaurants by our our place. And I would always order for dessert dulce de brevas Mm. or egos, which are figs. So these (gasps) like beautifully macerated like it, they're just they're just they're they're broken down in the, this caramel essentially and then it's always served with a, a slice of queso fresco or something like it that's firm it's squidgy and salty so it has that nice contrast with the sweet because it's super ooper sweet oh it's super ooper um, sweet <laughs> uber. i love saying ooper. it's super ooper sweet <laughs> i love making up words And that same cheese is used, it could be fried, like you're saying, either pan fried, some people deep fry it. Um, There are different, like Caribbean, South American countries that fry it up for breakfast. So Dominicans have queso frito, they'll eat it with like salami and things like that. It's delicious.
0: I'm glad you bring up breakfast because actually, traditionally, like in Cyprus, it's eaten for
1: breakfast a lot. And it's eaten with like watermelon. A Cyprus uh, halloumi producer should call you up to to, <laughs> to mark. It's it's for breakfast. It's for breakfast. I just imagine you and an like
0: smiling and like a tooth <laughs> like sparkles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it makes sense to eat it with with watermelon, much like feta. Yes, that combination. Yeah, yes. I love it. Love it. I, love I'm it. just imagining myself
0: sitting outside in Cyprus eating fresh halloumi with olives and bread and. A hunk of, hunk of fresh watermelon. <laughs> and some mint on there. Oh, yes. Mint. Yeah. And like that's also super traditional.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's also like, I noticed on the, on the halloumi packages. So I, op- I, <laughs> I wanted to do an experiment. So like, I wanted to really review oh, them. So yeah, I opened right. all of the halloumis I got and then I was examining which ones had like little mint flecks on it. Yes. And then like one didn't. So two did and one didn't. So that, yeah, what? do you know, like, is that always a thing? Well, is yeah, that traditionally usually the
0: standard? Yeah, so traditionally mint leaves were used as a preservative, so it, they were they uh, you know, wrapped the halloumi in mint leaves um, for freshness, and then some of the flavor was imparted. So yeah, that's really interesting that a couple of the packages had that, but then that the one didn't.
1: Yeah. and the one that didn't. Um, was the more firm, squidgy, saltier one than the other two. They all said that they're products of Cypress. Okay. But they were all distributed in New Jersey. Okay. So like Lindenhurst, New Jersey. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um yeah, but they all said product of cypress. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's really interesting.
0: So just like with any other cheese, halloumi, the longer it's aged, and typically halloumi is a fresh cheese, right? So you don't typically find like aged halloumi, but like with any other cheese, the longer it is aged, it gets a little drier. Um, it gets... Stronger in flavor and um, also a bit saltier because the moisture leaves and causing the, the saltiness to kind of have more of a punch with each
1: bite. Ah, so maybe that one that was squidgier and firmer and saltier was longer. may have a been aged longer, yeah. Interesting. But if, let's say, you can't find it, is it easy to make
0: at home? I just tried making halloumi. I found a recipe on The Guardian. And ordered some vegetarian rennet, which arrived in 24 hours. What? I was like, hey, (laughs) rennet on demand. (laughs) (laughs) And it was really simple. Here's all what happened. I heated the milk, not super hot, though. Not as hot as I do when I make yogurt at home or make ricotta at home. And then added the rennet, stirred, let it sit for an hour So at that time, the curd had formed and had separated Uh from the whey. And then I cut the curd into, you know, just like a grid, cubes, let it sit for another half hour. And then I strained out the curds into like a sieve lined with cheesecloth, you know, with a bowl underneath it to catch the whey. Let that drain for an hour. Put that onto a... cutting board or whatever. And I put a towel down on the cutting board as well because it still had some whey to expel from it. So I put that on there and then you take the whey that had drained out of it, put it back in a big pot and warm it because then you poach Uh. the halloumi, you poach the dried curds in this salted whey. So add salt to the whey, poach them um, until they float to the top. So about a half hour redrain them
1: and then they're good to go wow so unlike mozzarella it doesn't require the pulling stretching yeah the pulling Ah. all
0: right so that's halloumi in a nutshell right that's (laughs) painting with very broad strokes every those are the basics of this amazing cheese and i have to say i mean jen you know this because you're my good friend But I haven't really shouted this from the rooftops, but Connor and I have been vegetarian for since 2018, you know, with some exceptions, but pretty much vegetarian. And I have to say that I'm really grateful for halloumi for that reason, because at, you know, a barbecue or something, grill up some halloumi cheese, put it between two buns with, you know... Ooh, some grilled avocado or something. And it's just, there's no issue at the backyard barbecue. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm i going to do that now. Rather than consuming uh, more beef or, you know, whatever's uh, protein conventionally, right? You'd add, you're, you're going in this like, okay, I, I want something of substance. I'm going to include this more regularly in my diet. But also knowing that, full well, for me, for example, in a, in The U.S., I feel like, or North America in general, things like quinoa are, right, they've, since early 2000s, have been rising to popularity. And it's like, oh, this it's a superfood. It's marketed as something like it's the best protein, super complete protein you can eat. Uh, So, of course, people are going to be gobbling up just like me, like just a ton of it. And Leo, my husband, for those who don't know, uh, is from Peru. And so I asked him. When you were in Peru, did you eat quinoa just as often as you do now here in, in, in our home? And he's like, no, I, I didn't. We, we did, but it wasn't like a daily thing. We wouldn't just make a quinoa bowl every day, right? Whereas recently we would just eat a bunch of it. Um, but then learning more about how much it has affected their local economies um, along the Andes and thinking about just considering that, it's like, okay, I still want to enjoy that. And we can in a way uh that makes sense in moderation Um, but just always i think that's why it's important right to dive into and and have knowledge about what ingredients are available right so if why are we concentrating so much on one one grain or in this case seed what are the other options what do you think about that
0: yeah yeah no it's hard though right it's tough jen because it's like anything anything we eat if we look at it too much it, or too closely You can We can make ourselves Feel kind of bad About about it Yeah And I think
1: it's good To sit in those feelings
0: Totally I mean the thing that I Really love about What you're saying And what you're suggesting Is that like Curiosity is at the heart Of it So instead of just Accepting something For what it is Grabbing it off Of the grocery store shelf It's like Well go a little bit deeper Like follow your curiosity Into the foods you're eating Because it will benefit Not just you and, you know, scratching the curiosity itch, but um, the ripple effects are pretty huge in terms of the food system. So basically, uh, you know, to wrap up here, Halloumi is hella good. Oh, Katie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah, good. Oh, hallelujah, Halloumi is good. There you go. Hallelujah, halloumi
0: better. is good, and we we hope that you guys like maybe maybe learned a
1: little something about halloumi. If you if you're not familiar with it, like please go try it. If you like this show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. You could also drop us a question using the link in the show notes. And in the meantime, you can see what we're up to by following us on Instagram at Jenny's Life and at Cute Special thanks to the musician who wrote and performed our theme song. Ryan Quinn. Hey, that's your brother. You can follow him on Instagram at BQFunk. Bye.
0: Ciao.